What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the Week podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jay. We have a lot to talk about today. Um, later in the episode, we will get into, as since the last time we were on, uh, the Clippers lost Game 7 to the Denver Nuggets. And it kind of has uh, sent shockwaves around the NBA as to their loss and, and everything that happened this season with them. We'll get into that later in the episode. Uh, the Lakers and Nuggets started their series. Uh, the Lakers are up 2-0. Um, we'll get into that and, and and that series and why it could possibly be a short series and not go that far. And But we first are going to start out today with the Heat and Celtics. Um, the Heat are currently up two games to one in that series. Uh Going up two, winning the first two games, and then the Celtics winning Game Three. Um, the Celtics did have, you know, double-digit leads in both of the, in really all the games so far. Um, the Heat coming back in the first two games and almost making a comeback in, in Game Three, even though you know it was kind of a little too late. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just start off by asking you this: you know, what what have you seen from both teams so far? You go back. Um, to your keys we talked about on last week's episode um, and and where what have you seen so far that have either you know maybe there's a different key now that you're looking at or, or you know how, how uh, predictable were your keys yeah well that's a good question because I was actually kind of rethinking my predictions and our keys that we went into last week but I think the biggest thing for me is I might have to change my X factor. I think it's going to be Bam at a bio because uh, as I look at what I predicted last week, I said Tyler Hero, which which that was a good pick. But if I had to say anyone, it would have to be Bam at a bio because the Celtics have just not been able to contain him. I think he's he's dominated the the big man battle between him and Tice, and quite frankly, the Celtics are terrible on the rotations. Now Tice has done a good job of. Um, somewhat um, protecting the rim. Um, and then other times it's just the Celtics are, are just late on rotations on, on the help defense. Um, but Bam Adebayo has been one of the biggest stories of this game. I mean, again, he's most, you know, on top of the most improved list for a reason. Uh, he's had a great season. Um, but in this series, he's really shined. And I think it's because of the fact that he can just, he's a very versatile player and on both sides of the ball. Um, I mean, we'll take last night's game, for example, 27 points, 16 rebounds. Um, and those stats jump out at you because it, it just, he's not one of those players where you watch the game and you're like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's not really eye opening in terms of what he does until you look at the box sheet and the, or the box score. And, uh, you know, he, he had 27 and 16 last night. Um, and then if you look at game one and game two, um, you know, game one, he had uh, 18, nine and six. So, I mean, again, he just does everything uh, you want out of a big man. So that's probably one of the keys that I would um, that I would change up in terms of the X factor. I think it's bam. Um, as far as the series goes. Uh, again, it's it's sort of and and you look at game three as in Boston and, and you say, OK, they played great. Um, and again, they um, Miami started playing a zone starting with the second quarter. I really don't know why. So I guess he was just experimenting with man to man. 
Um, but I noticed that Jalen Brown was getting a lot more uh, one-on-ones with Duncan Robinson, taking him to the cup, posting him up on one or two occasions early on in the game. And that's kind of what separated them early on. And they've separated themselves in these games in the first half. But then you know what happens in the second half. The Heat go on little runs or big runs um, and eat away at the deficit and ultimately win the games. Um, Boston has had several of these games under their wing, and they've just choked. I think that the main difference is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler knows how to close. I don't really think anyone on Boston really knows how to close like Jimmy Butler does. And Jimmy Butler, especially in game two, he has defensive uh, possession after defensive possession, getting steals, getting the ball, and translating that to buckets on the other side of the end. Um, and Boston did not really have too many answers. Um, but then again, they, they did the same thing, uh, two nights ago. And, uh, and then again, I mean, they just had a a big enough lead. Um, but I think it also, you can also attribute it to, uh, Gordon Hayward's, uh, returning. Uh, he did not start, but he came in the game, played 31 minute minutes and, uh, and ended up uh, tallying up only six points, but again, his his uh, his, his impact is much greater than. Yeah, and again, that's not the 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 best that we'll see from him. I'm sure there's more to come, but but uh, I don't know. To to tell you the truth, I'm not sure if um, I think Boston's going to make it interesting. Um, I would say if they didn't come out like they would um, of on Saturday, it would have been over. Um, but. Again, it's it's scary with Boston because, and I said this when the series started, if Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat are within, you know, it doesn't matter, runs, this, this, and that. If they're within five points in the final five minutes, four or five minutes of the game, they're winning the, they're winning the game because I just don't really see Boston closing it out. And you saw on Saturday them almost choke that lead once again. And, and um, again, Miami just couldn't close it, but there was, I mean, Duncan Robinson was hot late and, and, and they had it, but they, they just got lucky where it was, they were up by 25 at one point. And as Miami started to chip away, it just wasn't enough and they didn't have enough time, but, but yeah, I mean, that's what I got to say. Yeah. Um, I first want to start off with game one. Um, we didn't get to, obviously we haven't talked about anything. Last time we did a podcast, this series didn't start yet. Bam Adebayo's block. Um, I know, you know, you have Magic Johnson saying the greatest block of all time. And, and listen, as much as, uh, as we're Heat fans, it's not, it wasn't, a, it, it, listen, it was a, probably a top five block in, in NBA history in terms of the moment, the playoffs and everything. Um, it was big time overtime, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I still don't know how Bam had the strength with his offhand, you know, his non-dominant hand, which is his left hand to block Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum, literally, I mean, he, like, he popped, I mean, just, I, I, it was an amazing, amazing block. I think LeBron's block, um, and a few others, LeBron's block in 2016 finals on Iggy, uh, is probably number one in my opinion. And there's a few others that maybe are better, but that's side note. I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, and after watching, you know, now I've watched basically every minute of the series or I have, um, a, a couple things stand out to me, and I think obviously one of them. You look at Game Three for the Celtics, and you know they had four guys score twenty plus points, and to me, I think they're going to need to do that, you know, for the rest of the series if they want to win this series. 
And I know in the regular season, they had three guys um, average 20 points and all of that. They're getting Gordon Hayward back or they got him back. And I think, he, you know, it's a big benefit now that he played 30 minutes and, you know, they have off from they they last played Saturday. They're not going to play until Wednesday now. And that's a nice layoff. Um, the NBA, you know, uh, NBA is doing that that way. You know, they don't compete with Monday Night Football. And stuff. There's no NBA, NBA games on Monday, um, and since this series is on ESPN and Monday Night Football is on ESPN, but that's besides the point. Um, and for the Heat, their defense in Game Three was atrocious um, for the most part of the game, just not non-existent, not not their normal defensive intensity. Um, I know Jimmy Butler came out and said, you know, they're tired of playing from behind. You know, it, it in games that you win, it's exciting and stuff that, you know, you came back down from 10, 12, whatever, you know, being down double digits in the first two games and coming back. But, you know, this Heat team needs to play a full 48 minutes of basketball on their end of the floor if they want to win this series as well. Um, I think they've proven that, you know, hey, we can just play one half of basketball and still win. But at the same time, you can't rely on that each and every series. Um, I think another thing for, for the Heat, is Jimmy Butler. I think, you know, he's done it. Listen, you can't complain to this point about what he's done, but I think when you see your team being down by so much, you can't wait until the fourth quarter to to become aggressive. I know he likes, you know, to get his teammates involved, uh, get them confidence. And you have guys, you know, Tyler Hero is not afraid. Um, you know, he's what I think he scored 18 first half points in game three. Uh, Bam, you know, Bam, I think in game two, had a big, big third quarter scoring uh, 15 uh, Goran is, is, you know, playing, uh, some of the best basketball of his career right now. Um, Jake Ryder is knocking down threes. Duncan Robinson is knocking down his threes, um, for the most part. But I think, you know, when Jimmy sees his team getting down 10, 15 points in the second quarter, I think you need to say, Hey, you know, I'm going to take over now and I'm just going to kind of get this Lee, you know, get this deficit down. And I think that's something he needs to do. Um, and, and, you know, it's like on the Celtics, you know, Jalen Brown, I, I think that, you know, the aggressiveness we saw from Jalen Brown in game three, when he scores over 25 points, they're now 16 and one, you know, there's a reason for that. And if I'm the Celtics, I'm looking at that and saying, Hey, you know, we need to get this guy, the ball more, let him score more between him and Jason Tatum, you know, you're going to get 20 plus a night. Um, but I think that 25 market seems like is the key for the Celtics and, and, after the Heat went up two, I, I didn't think that, I didn't think you know hey the series is over, um, especially being that you know neutral territory, no home court, uh, no real advantages. That you know even though technically Game Three was a Heat you know um, home game, and the first two games even though the Heat won were Celtics home games, it really doesn't make a difference. Um, it's just that's for you know the records and stuff, and and uh, just for the stat books just to say who was home, who was away, um, and. I think this series still goes six or seven. Um, I'm, I know I originally picked the Heat in seven. I think the Heat can now win this series in six. Um, I think, you know, this game four is going to be huge because I think that will determine if it goes six or seven. I think if the Heat can win this uh, this upcoming game four, they can definitely win in six. Um, I don't think they won in five. I think Boston has too much, um, you know, too much fight and stuff. I also want to get your thoughts on what happened in the locker room after game two with the Celtics. I know they came back out for game three and really bounced back, but, you know, do you think every team has to every, you know, not every, you ask a lot of championship players and players who've been on championship teams, 
they're always going to say it's not all, you know, uh, rainbows and, and unicorns and all, you know, happy-go-lucky. You know, you're going to go through your trials and tribulations. And, and do you think that could have been a turning point in this series when the Celtics, after game three, you know, they, they had, you know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown go, going at it. You know, there was a lot of yelling and screaming in the locker room. Um, do you think that's something that could have changed the series and maybe in the Celtics' favor? I think that that locker room altercation – well, listen, every – I feel like every team, whether – whether it gets popularized or not, um, in terms of the media, if the media decides to showcase it, um, and then then again, there's not a lot of news as as you'll see in this in this pod. I mean, we're going to talk about two series here, but other than that, there's not a whole lot um, going on outside of the the playoffs right now. Um, like no coaches are getting fired. No, you know, we've talked about coaches, um, but as far as the altercations, I mean, every team goes through it. I mean, this is one of the on the more mild side, I would say, because, again, you're down 0-2. Uh, There's been plenty of teams. Uh, we'll talk about the comeback kings, if you want to call them, and the Denver Nuggets, who have had two series where they've come back down from 3-1. Uh, you had the Celtics, who um, who had faced adversity, too, with, with, um, with the Raptors and almost lost that series. So every team really goes through this. Um, and what I mean by more mild um, is if you look at the Miami Heat, for example, losing the series against Dallas, and, and not that they got in any altercation or whatever, but they really had to sit back and reflect, and it made them better um, for years to come. So it's, it's more of the mild example of a way that it can turn around um, with the Boston Celtics here. Um, and then again, I didn't really think it was over. I think if they lost yesterday, it was the series was a wrap. But again, that can be sort of your fuel to the fire. I don't think it, it'll be detrimental for them, especially since not, not only does that happen where you have something in which sometimes that can be beneficial for you, but also you have Gordon Hayward, as we, we talked about previously, and his return, that's super important for this Boston Celtics um, team. It gives them another... Um, option a guy who averaged near 20 points um on the season and another weapon another facilitator another guy who could play defense um provides versatility so that on top of it um adds more fuel to the fire and it's why i kind of feel like boston's gonna um might take the lead in this series i do think miami does end up winning but um i have a strong feeling that boston will win either uh, within the next two games, either one or two of those games. So um, that's just what I, what I feel, but yeah, I, I, I didn't really think much of it um, at first because it's, it's media coverage. They want to get some stories out of course, but yeah, I um, you see how they came out and, and you can't, you can't not uh, disregard it because yeah, just the yeah, way they no, came out. Yeah, no, I, I think, listen, it's, it's, I think obviously the media is going to hype it up. Um, like I said, every every great team has their um, battles within each other, you know, because you know you're going to have a leader and Marcus Smart is, you know, that the heart and soul of that team. Um, you look at the Heat, you know, I bet they've had their battles and, and they're very open with that, saying, "Hey, you know, we call each other out and we curse each other out, but you know, we know that we move straight on from that, and it's coming from love and stuff." Um, and and I think that you know, like. Like we keep saying, I think Gordon Hayward is going to be huge. Uh, also, I think the way uh, the Heat continue to play de- 
uh, zone on defense and how the Celtics can make adjustments like they did in game three. I think now in game four, it's, okay, what adjustments can the Heat make to come back now? And also, I think getting off to faster starts, I think, because if they can't, if and, and I know, you know, we're kind of going in a circle here, and, and we're going to wrap this up in a second, but I think if, if the Heat can't come out and, and get faster starts and, and, you know, maybe get a lead after the first, second quarter or going into halftime, they're going to have a lot of issues trying to win this series, um, I think. That you know, you have two great coaches. Um, Eric Spoelstra looks like the best coach in the NBA right now. Uh, Brad Stevens is a is a really good young coach. Um, obviously, he hasn't had as much success as Eric Spoelstra in the playoffs, but yeah, um, I think also look, we're gonna see a lot. And and I think Kemba Walker is another uh, X factor. And and I know we talked about we had. I, I think I had him as my X factor last week. Um, you see the difference, you know, he, in, in game uh, three, he put up 21, six and uh, two. I think he needs to be a, a lot more effective like he was in game three and even more effective going forward if they want to win this series and, you know, being that veteran presence um, yeah. and, and going, you know, going forward. Um, but any last yeah, thoughts some, before we uh, go to the Lakers and Nuggets? Yeah. Some closing thoughts. Just, I think for the heat, it's important to, it's the tale of two ends. So for Miami, get off to a quick start, like we said. I think I mentioned Bam, but I also think Duncan Robinson is really huge in terms of getting those fast starts. Um, you saw it a lot through the regular season. And even in game two, he got off to a really quick start. And if you look at the box score, you know, that'll that'll tell you something in terms of what the Heat were able to do in that game. And then for the Boston Celtics, it's the flip side, how to finish, right? So not going to just isolation basketball, playing together, taking the ball, um, putting it on the deck and getting the hole. We see Jimmy Butler do that late in the game and it works. So with the Celtics, it's playing team basketball and, and getting to the cup. I felt like they did a great job of doing that in game three and, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be a competitive series and we will, uh, we'll figure out what, uh, what happens next. It should be interesting. Cause you know, now we're, if you guys are noticing, we're releasing podcasts on Monday and Tuesdays. It's kind of easier with the playoffs, um, with games being every day. Now we're releasing this podcast on Monday as we're recording it also on Monday. And there's no games today and stuff. Um, so instead of the normal Saturday or Sunday release. Um, so who knows, by the next time we release a podcast, the series could be over or uh, we could be talking about a game seven. So um, but let's move on to the other conference finals matchup, the Denver Nuggets versus Los Angeles Lakers, a conference finals matchup. I don't think many would have seen even just a week ago. Um, over here, the Lakers are up 2-0 after um, game one, just blowing the roof off, you know, blowing the crap out of the Nuggets. And then game two where the Nuggets really fought and uh, Anthony Davis had a, a buzzer beater three uh, or a three at the buzzer to win the game in, in a really great, great game. Um, what have been your thoughts so far? I mean, I, I kind of, in my opinion, I, I don't think this series, I think the Nuggets, listen, you can't ca- count them out. Um, but at the same time, this is a different monster. Uh, LeBron's mm-hmm. on a mission. Um, I know we can talk about, you know, br- briefly also after we kind of go in this series about, you know, LeBron and, and his, him being upset about the MVP, MVP voting and stuff. So what, what, what are your thoughts on this series? Man, I, I really do think that, uh, that yeah, I, I do have to agree. I think that as far as 
the Nuggets and the opponents that they faced, um, I don't think, even if you look at the Clippers as well, because you have to understand this, and it's it's pretty obvious. Again, now the Clippers, no one expected them, and we can get into this later about um, big-time players not showing up. So you have to take that into consideration to a, to a degree, obviously. But when you look at the Lakers, not only does their experience hurt you, but their size also hurts you. And it, it, it paid... The Nuggets paid the price for it in both these games. Um, they kept game two a lot more competitive, as you mentioned. But really, if you look at game one, um, the Lakers won by 12. But if you look at, I think one of the biggest factors in that game was Dwight Howard. He had 16 um, minutes off the bench and scored 13, several blocks. Um, he was able to, uh, he had one block on Gary Harris, which was disgusting. Um, I I believe it was Gary Harris. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like he had a great game. Um, and that, that also um, what he was able to stop Jokic in a way because Jokic um, Dwight Howard came in with like 10 minutes left in the second and uh, Jokic got into foul trouble in the first half. So he was a big part in that. Um, I also think that Jokic is, I don't care, you know, Jamal Murray's had a great um, playoffs. That's not to be, um, you know, we can't, we can't say enough about him. But then it's again, that team, yeah, yeah that, that team does run around Jokic. So if he's not in the game, that's going to be uh, a lot for them um, to overcome. Um, I was impressed with how they, they closed game one. Um, and I'll get, get to game two in just a second. But I was impressed on how they, they closed out uh, or – close out the, the first half in game one. They were only down by 11, even with their two stars um, in foul trouble. Um, and they were able to close it to a degree. But I just thought that the, the Lakers bigs were too much to handle um, for, for Denver in, in game one. And that was due to the fact that Jokic um, had gotten into foul trouble. But then again, you attribute that to Dwight Howard. Um, the Lakers had over 50 points in the paint. Um, can't put a number on it, but I think it was 54, if I had to say what, what I read. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a lot to, to handle for the Nuggets. Um, their rotations were just – their rotations on bigs are just not in. And, again, it's, it's, it goes to the fact that you played the Clippers in the second round. You played um, not too mobile of a big man team in, in the Jazz. I mean, you have Rudy Gobert that um, – will go to the cup, but then you get, then again, you have to account for Anthony Davis on the Lakers who, um, if you not catch game two, you know what he did to them in the, in the final seconds of that game. Um, and all throughout that fourth quarter to be, to, to be exact. Um, so you have to account for the versatility, more ver versatile bigs of, of the LA Lakers. I think that's been the, the difference. Um, especially if you look at game two, the rotations, um, they're rebounding, especially late in the game. Um, I was able to catch not the whole game of game two, but especially down the line, you saw that they were unable to grab um, defensive and offensive rebounds, giving the Lakers sec second opportunities, like the game-winning shot um, where Caruso missed it. Uh, Jamal Murray had a great block, but then they got the ball back. And because of poor rotations from Mason Plumley, which if you look at the play, Jokic – has to come over and defend Anthony Davis. I thought he had a great contest, but you have two defenders in Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee, who Mike Malone put in the game before that possession, who just, they communicated, but they communicated late. 
and no one decided to rotate over. They stayed stuck to LeBron. So uh, I, I just thought it was it, it was poor rotations, poor interior defense, and that's what I've thought about the Nuggets so far. They could they could have won that game, um, game two, but it's the same story as game one. You, you can't protect the paint, and you can't hold Anthony Davis. I don't think anyone's been able to do that. So um, I do I do credit Jokic. I do credit their big man, but it's been a, it's been a battle of big men to me, and the Lakers have won that battle. So. Yeah, um, I think game two was the Nuggets to win. I think it was to make this series competitive. And again, I don't want to count out the Nuggets. <laughs> they came back from 3-1 two times. They're down um, 0-2 right now. Uh, and and they can still make this a series. But at the same time, I think this was the one game that you could say, hey, you know, you, you're you 1-1 now. Um, you're kind of feeling better about yourself. Because game one was just, I mean, it, it, as much as you look at the final score and say, hey, you know, they were they only lost by, I think, like 12 or 14, it was not as close as that. Um, it was really just a runaway. And I think that, the, you know, if we're saying one thing, it's Jokic is dominant. Um, he's, he's one of the best, if not the best big man in the NBA. But defensively is where liability comes in. And also, when he's on offense, you have Anthony Davis, who can be as mobile as him and can defend him out on the perimeter um Dwight Howard's great and and JaVale McGee and you see the Lakers bigs really coming up big here um and for the Lakers I mean you're seeing that and and I'm going to make a kind of a bold prediction here because I think the Lakers you know obviously are the favorites I think Anthony Davis wound up being finals MVP um I think that that you're really seeing something from Anthony Davis that I think not many people have noticed in the past or maybe they have but it's just he hasn't been on a big market team um he's dominant he the guy the kid can or the guy can do everything um LeBron's really letting him just just take control uh you even saw last night you know him him the game-winning shot was drawn up for him uh you see that and and listen there's still concerns I think about um who's going to be that third scorer but now it's, you know, with the teams they're going to probably play, you know, let's say they get past this Nuggets team, it's either the Heat or the Celtics, and I'm not saying that won't be a competitive series, but at the same time, I think they're just too much for all of them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, listen, I, to me, there's not too much to talk about here. Um, I think for the Nuggets, another thing is maybe getting Michael Porter Jr. more involved. He had 15 in game two. Um, and getting some of your, like, other rotational players more involved than just Murray and Jokic because uh, no one else had above nine points besides Porter, Murray, and Jokic, maybe distributing the ball a little more. Um, you know, Murray's playing a lot, a lot of minutes, but, you know, he needs to. Jokic is playing a lot of minutes, but besides that, everyone's playing about 20 to 25 minutes, um, and I think guys need to step up. You know, Gary Harris only scoring three points in game two. Uh, Torrey Craig, three points. Uh, Millsap, six points. I think these guys need to be scoring 10-plus points if, if they really want to have a shot. And now down 2-0 um, to even just make it a series, I think, you know, they definitely, you know, obviously uh, game three is going to be a must-win on Tuesday. Um, no team's ever come back from down 3-0, but less than crazier things have happened, you know. It's 2020, so who, who knows what happens. But, um, yeah, that, that's really my thoughts on it. Yeah, so... I just think that I don't, I don't see the Nuggets um, making this too interesting of a series. I think their best chance was, I mean, they played great basketball um, last night, 
Um, I thought that there was, uh, you know, there was better. Uh, and, and of course, because you have your two, um, your two star players not getting into foul trouble, um, you're able to do uh, more of uh, what you want to do on the offensive end. Um, but like you said, I, I think that Anthony Davis is proving himself uh, more and more. Uh, again, we already know the great player that he is, but um, especially doing it against, um, and we talk about Jokic not being so great on the defensive end, um, but he's stepping up. And again, Jokic and, and AD had a big man battle, especially down the stretch yesterday. And, and AD ultimately won that battle. I thought that Jokic had him. Um, and, you know, AD on that last play um, was able to, I thought they were going lob for sure. Um, but then he was able to pop out um, and rotate over to the left wing and hit that three. So, again, it's it should be interesting to see um, what Denver – uh, comes up with, they're going to have to make some adjustments, um, especially for the bigs. Again, I keep talking about the bigs, but um, it's a problem, and Denver needs to address that problem. Uh, they've been getting now purposely been putting in Plumley just because of um, Jokic in game one, but um, I like Plumley's minutes a lot. Um, get him, you know, more, more and more involved as the series progresses, but. The Lakers are just, I don't know, they're they are way too deep when it comes to um, especially the big man position. So, yeah, yeah I, I That's just... That's the one thing I, they are deep in. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Uh, again, I... Let me, the, let, me ask you th- let me ask you this, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. The series goes five? Do, do the Nuggets pull one out? Yeah, I think, I think they pull one out, but I, I don't see them pulling more than one out um, at this point. Um, they'd have to play um, basically again, mistake-free basketball. Yeah, I, I think the Lakers were also um, running in transition a lot, getting to the free throw line um, a fair good amount of time. So, I, again, you know, Denver has to improve on both sides of the ball, show that they really want it. And, um, you know, they, they have to – and, again, the good news is is that Denver has been in this situation before, so they know how to tactic. I'm sure Mike Malone at this point is, has been like, all right, I mean, we've had our backs against the wall. This is kind of a common scenario in the past two series here. So let's get our act together. Let's make some adjustments and go out there and, and compete and get this series interesting. But I, I personally, I think that the, the run ends here and um, – I think the Lakers get to the finals. Um, I did say that after the Clippers won. I, I don't think that, you know, they lose to the Nuggets. But Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, t- to me, it's just I think that um, to rely on, on Yoke, it's more defense, I think. Um, and, and obviously, Jokic is not a great defender. Um, you really don't have great defenders on, on – on, I mean, you have a, a few good defenders on Denver. But to stop AD um, is something that is a problem. Uh, you know, LeBron's going to go out every night and put up his 20-plus or 25-plus and, and get his 10-plus 10, 10 assists and, you know, 5-plus rebounds. But I think the key here, and, and I think that will be um, pending the Lakers get to the finals and whoever comes out of the East, I think that will be another uh, thing. You know, how can you stop Anthony Davis? Because if you can't stop him, it's a wrap. Um, I think that was something that, 
you know, when, when we all year long, we talked about the battle of LA Lakers versus Clippers. And obviously we didn't get it, but that was something, you know, if AD could take advantage of no one being as big as him and, and being able to guard him, that's how the Lakers could have won that series. Cause I always said all year Clippers would win that series. Um, even on last week's episode, I said, if they, you know, I thought they were winning game seven and I was like, you know, they'll, they'll get their act together and go to the Lakers. Um, I think it's a good time to transition now into um, really what what happened to the Clippers? <laughs> what happened? What, yeah, I mean, what? Or, I mean, I'll, I'll take you from game seven because that's where we left off last pod. Um, well, I, I think I think it's more not just game seven. Um, listen, because game seven was atrocious. Uh, I, I watched, you know, I, 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 I'll be honest, I turned that game on in, in the third quarter. Um, I saw they were up by two. I was doing some work or whatever. I, I turned my head around again, and then they're down by like 10, then 15. And I'm like, you know, it's then the fourth quarter comes around. I'm like, you know, they, they'll get back into this. You know, the, I'm not, I wasn't even worried. That, that's, the, that's the funny thing. I'm like, yeah, you know, they'll get back into this. Not that big of a deal. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, it's like two minutes left. They're down by 20. I'm like, wow, they're really not going to. I mean, I think they scored at one time. They went about 10 minutes only scoring three points, two points. Mm. Um, and I think it's just a broader question. You know, did they take this year too too light? And just with the load management and the, you know, guys being hurt and not having a full team, did that come back to bite them? Yeah, I think also, remember, there was a lot of guys. Um, and it's important, too, because for a first-year team, um, again, there's guys that were – and that's why they were so hype about it, because, um, as you know, they took the Golden State Warriors to six games. Um, and that team was highly competitive, um, had a lot of battle to them. Um, as in, if you look at Patrick Brevley, just the guys full of energy um, and just that team in general had a lot of promise coming into it. I think a lot of the blame goes to Kawhi Leonard, because when you go from Toronto to L.A. again. Now, the good news is, if you look at it this way, they could be right back where they're... Because you have to understand this. He goes to Toronto, and you plug the pieces together. You get, you get Marcus Gasol in at the trade deadline for the, for the Raptors. You plug all the pieces together, um, including the existing pieces that were there before Kawhi was there. Um, and you restructure um, kind of what, you know, we talk about with the Bucks, how they're going to have to restructure this upcoming season um, before Kawhi leaves. I mean, um, excuse me, Giannis leaves um, or potentially leaves. So it's a lot of, again, when you go to from Toronto to L.A. And, again, there's a lot of pieces that fall into place as well with Golden State getting injured last season. Um, you have, you know, a perfect defense built around Giannis uh, much that resembles you know what the heat did to him as well this season but you have all these pieces that fall into place and you won a championship in Toronto and then you come to LA and Kawhi Leonard and it's not the same um, and you don't have that same again now you have all the hype whatever but you don't show up when it comes to the playoffs right Dallas almost beats you uh, and then you get to Denver and Denver is just coming off a 3-1 deficit from that they overcame from Utah. Now they come and beat you and they got all the heart in the world. I talked about heart and how that's played a, a lot in 
in, uh, in these playoffs. And Denver comes with a lot of heart, a lot of showing that there, I think a lot of people overlook just how deep Denver was because MPJ is no joke. Gary Harris coming back did some damage, right? So uh, even Mason Plumlee um, coming in, you know, providing great minutes for, for Denver in this series, but they're just so such a deep team um, down the line. I'd, e- I'd even mention their, their two best players who have really done a great job this, this, uh, these playoffs as well. So I think my whole point is uh, LA and Kawhi, um, there's a lot of chemistry um, to be, you know, you have to look at the chemistry and just how much of, of that played into it because there was a lack of it. Um, and if you look at just the way they collapsed against Denver, um, Paul George was non-existent. Um, and then Kawhi again. No, I, I think you mentioned Paul George. To me, there's a lot of questions about Paul George. He's not anything close um, to the Indiana Pacers Paul George, uh, where he went up you know, against LeBron in the big three. Um, when he went to you know, OKC, he had his struggles in the playoffs. Um, now again with the Clippers, he was not, you know, in the first round, people were kind of questioning. And, you know, he had some games where he showed back up. I know he said, you know, in the bubble, he was going through some issues uh, just being away from his family and stuff. But it, it, it begs the question, you know, I think to me is you, you mentioned, you know, maybe they need to retool their team. But what do you do? Um, Montrotero is a free agent. Do you re-sign him? Um, and, and I think most people don't even realize they only have one more year together. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both can be free agents after this, you know, this upcoming next year. Um, there's a lot that, that that team needs to get together. And I think first off, they need to just start by just playing with each other, starting from game one of the regular season and not waiting until game seven of the of the of a playoff series to to have your full squad together. I think um, Lou Williams, another guy non-existent, normally a guy who can, you know, score at ease. I think the whole uh, thing with him, you know, Lemon Pepper Lou and all of that, uh, you know, I know he's not the one filing for trademark, but him, you know, I think I think a lot of the guys had different things on their mind. And I'm not going to I'm not going to say, and you know, they didn't have their full heart into this because I, I don't know what the, you know, I, I don't know. And I don't like calling a player out like that. Uh, or players out like that, but but there's a lot that you know I think people are seeing, um, or that people's eyes got opened, um, including mine because all year long, like I said up and even last week's podcast we did you know we released our podcast the day of Game Seven, um, and you know me and you both were saying hey you know we're still taking Clippers to go to the finals you know so I mean how drastically that can change now to, you know, where we just talked about, you know, the Nuggets down 2-0 and it looks like the Lakers are going to cruise to a, a, a finals appearance and, and LeBron's going to get his fourth ring. I mean, just how much that can change. Uh, Kawhi just not showing up either. Um, I think that that fourth quarter really just was like, wow, like how do you not be able to score? I mean, Paul George hitting the side of the, you know, he had a corner three wide open and he hit the side of the backboard. Um, just was kind of that wrapped in a in a bow for you as to how how that uh, how that game seven went and really you know I mean it was a bust of a season. Yeah, I I, I think they we talk about a team that didn't make ex, didn't reach expectations. Um, 
we've talked about the Sixers all season long. Um, and then you look at the surprise team that didn't um, exceed or even really reach expectations in terms of the Clippers in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, they're going to have to restructure like uh, um, the Bucks, like I said. And um, I, I don't, again, I, I don't really know what you need to do because you have all the pieces. And I remember we were talking at the trade deadline. I'm like, who the hell do they even need to add? I mean, they have pretty much everyone yeah, you would right. want for a championship team and then uh again with with Kawhi and PG and and this is just a lot of I and I did see I would be lying if I didn't say like I did see a, a like a, a tiny bit of um again I did have them winning it or I had the Bucks winning which looks stupid now but um I did have them getting the finals if you look at their whole season in retrospect though um they we talk about load management that was a big when we start first started up up the podcast i remember load management was a really really big topic that probably played an influence in it and then Mm -hmm. you have a layoff of three months um then you come to the bubble and your players are still not uh, i remember patrick beverly missing a lot of time um you have pg uh not showing up so it's there was kind of some foreshadowing to this in a way because yeah. you had PG just not playing right. You had, um, uh, you know, you had Patrick Bradley just not, not playing. Yeah. Montrez yeah. wasn't playing. Um, and um, then I, and then we talked about just last episode about Doc Rivers. You're, you are legit in, in, you know, you're in dire need of a win and you're trying to make adjustments game six, game seven. It's, it's, it's not the time to, to be questioning what you're doing and what you're putting out there as a championship-level head coach. It's just not the time to do it. And all this um, balls up into just one big, um, one big ball of confusion and questioning that no one really expected, and it just caught everyone mm-hmm. by surprise. But there was a lot. If you look through the whole entire season, there was a lot of uh, – question marks yeah and And people just didn't stuff that came up yeah people just didn't want to address it because yeah because uh you know they they were too high on the on the bandwagon and and on the on the train about the clippers but if you look at it they those things really did add up and and uh and then you look at their opponent who they played the nuggets were on a high and i've been high on the nuggets i i picked mike malone as my coach of the year if you don't remember, and, and I've been high on the Nuggets for years now. I thought that they're they just lost their their GM uh, Arturo. So I'm not even going to pronounce his last name to the Bulls, and he did a great job for them for several years. I really liked their scouting, their development, uh, and they're sort of that team as well that have found diamonds in the rough, just like the Miami teams, like the Miami Heat, um, the Toronto Raptor. Raptors, like yeah, like the same Spurs, same type yeah. of. Yeah, like the same type of, and and they're a really underrated team when it comes to that. So, um, talk about Jokic not being a high draft pick, um, and that's Murray, their star player, yeah. right? So, yeah, exactly. No, I, I yeah, totally so, agree. So yeah, um, there's there's a lot riding on on what the Nuggets did, but um, and yeah, you could argue that maybe it was a bad matchup for them because just the way that the Nuggets came out um, in both series and. You know, you can never count them out. That's why I'm not even going to count them out really in this series. Um, I do think that it goes 
five, but who knows? Maybe they push it to six. But yeah, there's a lot um, that unraveled for the for the Clippers that no one really expected. But they're gonna have to, under short notice, they're gonna have to put something, uh, you know, maybe add. I don't I don't think they re, you know completely say screw this team. I mean, you have Kawhi and PG uh, under contract, but yeah, you know, no, it, it should be interesting. And also, like you said, I think. Uh, and I think people have done it, but you need to give the Nuggets a lot of credit uh, because I think the storylines have been more, you know, the Clippers lost the series and the Nuggets won. And I think you need to flip that and say the Nuggets really won this series and, you know, their heart, um, their determination, and they're really just a good team um, together. And, and I think that you'll see them for many more years to come, many more years to come, uh, push teams in the playoffs. And, and I don't know if they're a championship level team yet. Um, I mean, they need to add a piece or two. Or maybe they need to let their guys develop. I think Michael Porter Jr. is a great, uh, a great young player that's going to be really, really good. So it should be interesting. Last thing before we do get out of here, um, I want to get your thoughts on LeBron. You know, saying he was pissed on the on only getting 16 first place votes. Uh, Giannis won the MVP, mm. uh, got 84 first place votes. LeBron got 16. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't understand it. Um, to me, I thought Giannis was. Uh, well, well, I normally let you go first. I'm going to go first here. Um, okay. Here's the issue. The NBA doesn't announce its MVP until either the past couple of seasons after the season, they have an award show, or even before that, they would announce it in the second round of the playoffs or the conference finals. Uh, normally, the MVP is still playing. This, that, and the third. This year's MVP, okay, now the voting's happened before the, the bubble games even started. The MVP, you know, the stats and everything only went up to March, I think, 12th when the season uh, got uh, post, you know, or uh, got stopped due to corona. Um, and to that point, Giannis Antetokounmpo was having a historic season. His team was on a 71 pace, um, and they looked just unstoppable. I think they, you know, they had that one game versus the Heat where the Heat really just destroyed them uh, like a week before the season got stopped. People started, hey, you know, could the Heat beat them in the playoffs, this, that, the third. LeBron had a, an incredible season, and this is where I got pissed off because he started talking about narrative and the, the media wants narrative. I said it on this podcast, and actually one of the people who voted for him uh, for MVP, who has a vote we had on here and told us he was going to vote, Mark Medina of USA Today. Um, narrative if if the media wanted narrative they would have picked lebron because you hear all these guys all these media members talking well he's 35 years old look at what he's doing this blah 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 there was no narrative it was Giannis antetokounmpo was the the best player um he had a better season than what he did last season and last season he was mvp so to follow up and have a better season that's amazing um if you're going playoffs yes lebron maybe you're definitely beats out Giannis because look at where Giannis is and look at where LeBron is. You know, Giannis is sitting at home or he's back in Greece and, and LeBron's, you know, up 2-0 in the conference finals. Um, I just don't understand it. Listen, you can be pissed. Um, I think it, it just for the, you know, Nuggets and whoever comes, you know, if they make it to the finals and whoever comes out of the East, it's just a nightmare for them because he's on a mission to prove something. Um, and like I said earlier, I don't even think he's going to get finals MVP. I think that's going to go to Anthony Davis if, you know, the Lakers want to win a, a NBA title. Um, so 
I think, you know, he started bringing back up, uh, which was a good, you know, a pretty valid point back in, I think, 2013 when he should have won a uh, defensive player of the year when he was with the Heat and Marcus Saul won it. Uh, Marcus Saul wasn't even on all defensive first team. He was on all defensive second team. And he started bringing up a whole bunch of stuff that you could see. It just started to boil over all these years and maybe him not getting an award that he wanted. Um, I don't know. It just, to me, it, it didn't run me the wrong way. It was just like, I, are you upset you actually didn't win it? Are you upset that you just got 16 votes and maybe you should have got more? Um, I, I didn't really understand it, um, especially now. I don't know. You know, you're in the, I, I don't know. It just, to me, it was bizarre because um, normally LeBron's not like that. He doesn't really, you know, he normally doesn't care about the awards. And I guess this one must have meant a lot to him if he would have won it. Um, um, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts? Uh, well, my thoughts are pretty simple. Uh, it doesn't make much sense. I do have to agree with LeBron after really taking a deep dive into it um, and looking at um, just the, the context or, or the content. Um, so, wait, hold on. Let me, let me clarify. You would, it doesn't make much sense what the media did or it doesn't make much sense what LeBron was saying? No, what what the media is doing. Um, okay, I, okay. I agree with what LeBron was, was saying about um, the, the awards and, and just how the media plays into that um, sort of effect there. Um, I did agree with what LeBron said about specifically Marcus Saul, because it, it really just doesn't make any sense. Um, and again, he's, you know, he's, he's coming with clear evidence here. So, Let's get this straight. Marcus saw defensive player of the year 2012-2013, but he made all defensive um, second, second team. All right. So that makes literally no sense. Um, if you are it, no, but if but if you're but, but if here, you're the best my, defensive my, player. Here, here's my Jake, Jake, here's my question though. What because I, I understand he, he should have won defensive player of the year. He would have been just, you know, like MJ now Giannis and winning MVP and defensive player of the year in the same year. But what is that now? What is that seven years later have to do with you getting 16 first place votes now of, um, uh, of MVP when Giannis was all NBA first team and, and all of this, you know, accolades, he got defensive player of the year. I know LeBron might be upset about that because he probably felt his teammate, Anthony Davis should have won that. I kind of have to agree. Um, but what is what is now seven years later? You're bringing up Marcus Saul, which I again, like like you just said, I agree. It doesn't make sense. The media, you know, they're voting him all defensive second team, but he's winning defensive player of the year. Shouldn't he be on first team? There's no rhyme or reason. I think that maybe, you know, in the future, the NBA should think about getting players also to vote and putting that into the equation, just like the All Star Game, where they have you know players, coaches, and fans, and you take percentages. Uh, maybe you have players, coaches, and, and uh, writers. Um, I, not to interrupt you, I'm just saying I just don't see the correlation. That, that's what made me confused with this, um, besides just the confusion of, uh, to me, I think it was clear Giannis was the MVP. Um, I think if you go back to March, everyone would have been saying that. I know that right before the stoppage, the Lakers you know, beat the Clippers and Bucks, and people were, you know, maybe LeBron is the MVP. He's closing the gap. But he, Giannis was the MVP. I don't, I don't understand what the the. No, I mean, 
I know the competitive I, edge, but go ahead. No, sorry. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I just don't get it. No, I, I, I don't think that, I think you're describing more of a clear advantage. I don't think it was, I, I think what uh, I'm concerned about is the fact that he only got 16. I don't think that, I think you should have gotten more to be, to be fair with you. Um, I don't think that Giannis was the clear MVP. I thought it should have been closer. Um, add another, tw- maybe add maybe another twenty thirty, and but sixteen out of one hundred and one. That's I don't feel like that's uh, that's too um, too good of a um, you know. I, I just don't feel like that's that's you're good. Say, you're saying that as of March eleventh. Yeah, and I also think that. Because, playoffs, because I also think that playoffs need to be. I also think that playoffs need to be involved in the MVP. Because if you're quiet in the playoffs, Giannis is getting that trophy in Greece. So again, if you're not showing up in the playoffs, if you get completely now again, was was it all his fault? No, I mean there was times where, especially um, before he got injured um, in the Heat series in Game Four he was putting on a show and he put on a show throughout most of that. Again, you're not going to be able to stop LeBron, Giannis, whatever. It's just not going to happen. A, a good, a, a bad night for them is 20 points, um, 20, yeah. 25 points. So it's not like you're going to be able to stop them, but the, he did a great job of limiting him. And, and again, I, I brought out the stat sheet. I mean, Bam's guarded Giannis um, better than really anyone has in, in, in the whole entire league this season. So, yeah. but again, it's, you need to include playoffs because then again, I agree. I'm not, I'm not including Kawhi in the freaking. I, I'm definitely not including Paul George. You know, not even remotely close. I'm not saying these guys were like um, among like the top three in MVP candidates, but I'm just saying I'm not including Kawhi if he had a great season. I'm not including Paul George if these guys are not showing up in the playoffs, including Giannis, and that's what's detrimental to to this voting system. I also think that you need to include players. Um, they've done it with all-star, um, as we mentioned before, but they also need to include players. Um, cause there's so much bias. Um, and it's not even funny with the media. So again, the media it's, you see sometimes on the media, it's, it's stupid takes, it's bias takes and the takes makes absolutely, absolutely no sense. So these are the people that are voting for, um, for MVP, defensive player of the year, six man, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just, again, the only, really the only, one of the, one of the awards where you ca- really can't go wrong with is coach of the year. Cause there were so many great coaches this year. Um, but I mean, besides that there's, yeah, there's a lot of, um, things wrong with, with the voting system and, uh, yeah, they need to patch that in my opinion. But yeah. Um, I can agree with that point. Um, it should be interesting. I think LeBron's also using it as a as a motive for himself, just to get himself psyched up. Um, I, I don't know how. I, I bet he is upset. I think it's just he just never voices it, like I said. So, listen, he's on a mission. I think uh, everything that's happened with the Lakers this season, um, he's on a yeah. mission, and. and and one last thing I just want to touch on, it kind of has to do with the Lakers. And because I've seen now a lot of people saying, you know, if the Nuggets or uh, Heat or Celtics win, you know, there's an asterisk on the season. Um, but if the Lakers win, you know, it's going to be the, the hardest championship ever won. And I think that that's just wrong. I'm um, another media narrative. 
Um, I, I wanted to touch on this during the episode and we just had, you know, other things to talk about, but something just to think about if you got this far in the episode, just think about that. Um, I think whoever wins this championship, you know, there shouldn't be any asterisk. Um, but, you know, I already see, you know, reporters trying to paint that narrative, talking about narratives that, you know, the Lakers win it. That's going to be the hardest because of everything they went through. But if the other three teams who are still in it win it, you know, it's not valid and, and it shouldn't be counted. So food for thought. Um, any last thoughts before we get out of here, Jake? No, it's pretty much it. Um, I guess I'll take it from here and just talk about um, what we're doing on us on our social media. So you guys can check us out at underscore around the league underscore on Instagram. I've been posting a lot more videos on there as of late. Um, I talk about this every episode. So, um, again, you guys can go check us out on there for more content besides our podcast. It's something that we want to do and expand more and more. So you guys can check us out on there. And then check us out on all three streaming platforms. We do this thing weekly. Uh, again, we're, we're trying to do it. Um, our main day to record was Saturday, upload Sunday. Um, or was it Friday, Saturday? I don't know. Friday, but now it's Saturday. yeah, it was something Friday, like Saturday. that. But we're listen, yeah. a lot's going on, <laughs> and we're still getting a, a podcast out to you guys weekly. That's all that matters, and uh, we hope you guys really enjoy the content. Um, like Jake said, Jake's been doing a fantastic job on social media. Um, his latest video, "Road to the League," one of the series he does with Robert Williams of the Celtics. He he just you know basically narrates how how uh, the player got to where he is. He does some breakdowns also. Um, go check that out because Jake really spends a lot of time on that and uh, besides that peace out peace